You're listening to the Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. Hello, and thank you for joining me for episode 272 of the Blended Family Podcast. Today, I've got a great topic for you. It's it's a new, fresh topic, and we're going to be talking about gray divorce, something that I never really even thought about. I always thought, you know, if you can make it through raising the kids, you're pretty much okay, especially as a blended family. And what we're learning is, you know, with the uptick of divorce, a lot of couples, a lot of you listeners even are facing this right now, going through some marital challenges, sometimes in your second or third marriage. And what this looks like is divorce after 50 with adult children who are also susceptible to pain and trauma from that divorce. And we don't think about that either. And so this will be a really good show for everybody. So stay tuned. Last week, if you missed it, we had Regine Maradian on. And we were talking about post-COVID stressors for our kids and our teenagers on how to get them really back acclimated to some normalcy. And so if you missed that, you might want to go back and check that out, especially if your kids are having trouble kind of getting back into the swing of things as things open up and uh, things change. And so I know it's really difficult. Kids are presenting with a lot of um, issues, some mental things going on like depression, anxiety, um, and, you know, some social issues. So definitely check out that show if you missed it. And next week I will be doing a solo show on feelings and emotions and really uh, how to feel and process and move through your feelings instead of burying and swallowing like many of us do in blended families because we don't want to rock the boat. And so we end up not saying how we really feel and suppressing and that causes all kinds of problems in the physical body. And so we're gonna talk about that next week. Uh, My newsletter is late, it is coming, I'm sorry. I have been so tired, you guys, I have no excuses trying to get through this summer and it's like every day I have bouts of energy and I think I'm going to get all these things done and then I come home and I can't do a thing. I don't know if you guys are all feeling that way too, uh, but it's just some heavy energy this summer and, but I hope you're enjoying it so far. You know, we haven't really done anything yet. We have a trip coming the end of the summer up to New York on something that was delayed back when COVID first hit. My niece was uh, having her communion and I'm her godmother and so we were supposed to go and that was canceled so that's been rescheduled for the end of August so hopefully we can travel at that time and everything will be good but other than that we're just working through the summer hope you guys are doing good hope you enjoy today's show I have no other announcements for you enjoy and we'll see you next week bye living the good life naturally is a self-care company focusing on magnesium Statistics show that up to 50% of the U.S. population is magnesium deficient, which can cause a multitude of health issues including headaches, muscle cramps, seizures, hair loss, and more. Kristen Bowen, founder, created the company out of her own personal health struggles, so she really cares, and she has a mission to help others achieve optimal health. 
I myself am a huge believer in these products and I use them on a daily basis. It's been especially helpful for my anxiety and my pain. Try the magnesium soak, the magnesium spray, or the delectable bath bombs for an extra treat. And check out the website to see the entire product line and learn more at livingthegoodlifenaturally.com or you can go back and listen to episode number 237 when Kristen was on this show. Don't forget to use my promo code BLENDED to receive a special discount. Order today and get your health back. Carol Hughes holds her doctoral degree in clinical psychology and her master's degree in counseling psychology in her practice in Laguna Hills, California, as a California licensed marriage and family therapist and family focused divorce professional for more than 30 years. She has assisted hundreds of divorcing families as a therapist, child and co-parenting specialist, divorce coach and mediator. And then we have Bruce Fredenberg. He's been a California licensed marriage and family therapist for more than 30 years, and he's board certified in clinical hypnosis. He's trained and experienced in chronic pain management, trauma, addictions, mediation, and collaborative divorce. In his practice in Laguna Hills, California, Bruce helps families as a therapist, divorce coach, co-parenting specialist, and mediator. Now, I just want to let you know, I did shorten those bios just a tad bit since I had two of them to read, but you can read much more about their education in the show notes where I have their entire bio. Welcome to the show, Carol and Bruce. Thanks for having us, Melissa. We're glad to be here. Yeah, me too. This is a fresh topic for this show. I've never covered it in all the years I've been podcasting. You know, I always thought that once the kids were older, that our problems would magically disappear. And most (laughs) blended families do try to hang on through those tough child rearing years, thinking that if they could just make it till the end of that, they'd make it for sure. And many of us have not gotten to that point yet. So in our minds, it's this great destination that we all want to reach. And no one really thinks of getting there and then getting divorced. So I'm really interested to learn about gray divorce today and bring this topic to my audience so that we can understand that relationships always take work and also to learn to do the work now to strengthen our bonds so that doesn't happen later on. And we're also going to talk about how all of this can still affect your adult children. So we have a lot to discuss today. Um, But first, I would love to hear a little bit more about yourselves and how you guys came to work together. Well, it's an interesting story. Carol and I have uh, met in graduate school a few decades ago. And we have remained friends ever since, and even uh, for the last several years have shared uh, an office suite together. And uh, in our practice, we have come across many people who were suffering because either they did a bad divorce or their parents did a bad divorce, and there was a lot of leftover pain. And so we have been working with divorcing couples, families, people who um, went through divorces for a a great many years. And Carol was uh, given a a term, um, stakeholders, by one of the attorneys in our group of friends. He said that adult children are stakeholders in their parents' divorce. And we'd never heard it phrased that way quite before, but we'd we'd seen what it means. And so Carol wrote a blog article about it for our, our local area. 
And some weeks, months later, she got a call from a reporter from the New York Times, and she wanted to interview Carol, and she did because she was uh, doing an a article on it. And then a few months after that, a literary agent from one of the big literary houses in New York read the article. It resonated with her, and she called Carol up and asked if she would do a book on it. And Carol said yes because she always says yes to opportunities. And then she called me up and said, hey, would you like to write this book with, with me? And I always say yes. And I had no idea it was going to be a four-year journey of research and writing and editing and rewriting. And finally, here it is. That's wonderful. And Carol? Yes, uh, Bruce covered it. Uh, we have been friends since graduate school and uh, we introduce ourselves when we put uh, facilitate trainings as uh, best friends who aren't married to get each other. <laughs> and uh, so uh, we have a number of unfinished books in our computers for oh, several decades. And uh, we had no idea this was going to be the first book that really got published. We've written some chapters and other books. So uh, we're really glad to bring this topic to our our culture as well as other industrialized cultures around the world because great divorce is happening around the world. Yes, and that's what I want to get to right now because this is actually a term that I had not heard of until I met you guys and I think that a lot of people maybe not know about it. And so what exactly is great divorce and why is it becoming more prevalent today? Or is it becoming more prevalent? Well, that's, that's always a good question, and we get that one too, because most people have just overlooked it because our culture mm. tends to overlook it. But it was a term, gray divorce, that was first created by the American Association of Retired Persons, AARP. And later on, there, was, there were some researchers from Bowling Green State University and they started to research some things through the U.S. Census, and they discovered that the gray divorce, what they termed the gray divorce revolution, which are people 50 and older, that it's on the rise. It was rising faster than other divorce uh, rates for other age groups, which were amazingly enough declining as that demographic is, is uh, starting to soar. And they found that in, uh, I think, it, well, Carol, you've got the dates better than I mm -hmm. have, but go sure. ahead. Sure. They were studying the U.S. Census, and they noticed this irregularity with the people, as Bruce said, 50 years and older, from 1990 to 2010. And what they found was that the divorce rate in that period of time for the 50-year and older people had doubled. And while the other divorces were, were falling in the younger generations, partly because they weren't marrying as, as frequently as the 50-plus-year-old people. Uh, and that really piqued their interest, and so they continued to follow the U.S. Census and found that by 2015, uh, the divorce rate in this population was still doubling, and based on their analytics, they predict that it will be tripling by the year 2030. Uh, and they also found, again, shockingly, that the 65-year-old and older divorce rate uh, in by 2010 had tripled and 
they're predicting it will continue to grow at this pace through 2030 as well. So it's a large population of people and affecting uh, their adult children as well as the people who are divorcing. Wow. So what do you think is going on? And well, first of all, I'm interested to know why not many people even talk about this, right? Because this is just something that most of us don't think about, I guess. But what do you think is going on? Do you think that, um, well, I know, let's just excuse this year of 2020, because we know that COVID Mm -hmm. has just driven up the divorce rate in itself. But besides Mm -hmm. COVID, what's going on? Well, for one thing, uh, people are living longer uh, and are healthier, have better health care than in previous generations. And so once the kids, if they had children, once the kids graduate and leave the house, high school, leave the house for college, for uh, specialized training, working on their own, whatever it may be, people who maybe were, were not the best match in the first place uh, look at each other and say, do I really want to stay in a relationship with this person whom I may not love anymore, may not like, may not have anything in common. Uh, I've got 20, 30, 40, 50 years, depending on their age, uh, of life, and I want to be happy. In fact, the statistics, the research about um, how the U.S. population considers divorce as uh, ethical and moral Uh, In 2004, there was research that about, I think it was 36, 38% of Americans thought that divorce was morally acceptable. And by 2014, it was up to 69% of the U.S. population thought that divorce was morally an option. So the idea of till death do us part has been fading in favor of I want to be happy and spend you know happier years ahead. Also, economics has played a factor. Uh, you know, with the women's movement starting in the 60s and 70s, what we know now is that the majority of wives uh, work outside the home as well as inside the home, and so they're not as de- uh, financially dependent on their partners, their male partners. Or female partners, if or you know whatever the case may be, and so it's easier for them to imagine getting divorced because financially they could they can be better off, um, and so these are some of the factors that are um, playing into this growing, growing, growing rate, or as Bowling Green called it, the Great Divorce Revolution. Mm. You know, and I can also imagine that some people in my blended family community, you know, a lot of us were so busy raising kids and sometimes it's a lot of kids for these families. Some of them have eight to 10 kids. And I imagine that, you know, you're just so immersed in parenting, 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 and all of a sudden the kids launch and you look at each other and you don't, if you didn't take time to nurture your relationship during those child rearing years, you're going to look at each other like strangers when the kids move out. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And what we know is even in the blended families that the dynamics are even more complicated because often you've got maybe four sets of grandparents, you know, and myriad uncles and aunts and cousins and, you know, kids of different ages, some are adults, maybe there's still some minor children. And how do all these sibling and step-sibling relationships get along during and after the divorce? Are we... 
are the families going to still try to, you know, do what we call combat divorce sometimes, where they encourage family members, extended family members, community members to line up in like a battle formation, good parent, bad parent, you know, blaming each other. And it's even more complicated for blended families because there's so many more people, as you were just saying. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad that you brought that up. The fact of, you know, I didn't even think about that. All the extra sets of grandparents and extra people Mm -hmm. that the kids become attached to. Um, I'd also like to just talk about what gray divorce looks like specifically um, compared to earlier on divorces. I know that there's certain things that are probably more challenging and less challenging. So I just wanted you guys to pick that apart a little bit and tell us what are the differences that you're really noticing with gray divorce as opposed to maybe an earlier on divorce? Sure, that's a great question. And there's a lot of things that go into that. Um, at the Earlier you had uh, were asking or you made mention of this population has been ignored for a long time. And so people often don't even realize what they're, they're getting into, at least what their family's getting into. It starts with the legal system having no place for adult children. So the courts see them as not involved because the court doesn't have jurisdiction over them. And then parents will get told, well, you don't have to worry about the kids. The kids are going to be okay. And if you know, from a uh, parents' perspective, that's really seductive to think your kids are going to be okay because that's one less thing to worry about. Mm-hmm. And so they get shoved aside that way. And then because our culture has this myth that um, for adult children, they should just roll with it. You know, you're lucky it didn't happen when they were when you were six. You know, you, you should just get over it. And so they start to think something's wrong with them for feeling so upset about the destruction and dissolution of their family, which of course is normal. If somebody had died, nobody would be surprised that they were having trouble with it. And it's like the death of their family. And then how it affects the different ages of adult children varies because adult children are not a monolithic group. The early ones, say ages 18, 19, 20, and I I don't know how old your kids are if they're in that age range yet or not. Yes, they are. They're right around there. Right. Okay. So, you know, the law might say they're adults, but probably they're still somewhat economically or totally economically dependent on you if they're in college or if they're starting their career or whatever they're doing. And, and so their questions are, wow, what's going to happen to me? I've been, you know, depending on my parents and now they're splitting and am I going to have to drop out of college or am I going to have to help them out? I, you know, it's, it's, I'm just beginning and, and I don't know what to do. Typically, their parents may have been their source of counsel for difficult times in their life, and now that parental unit isn't there anymore. They've got different aims. Then the older ones that are, say, you know, 30s, 40s, 50, they're kind of the in-between. They've got their own nuclear families of their own, and they're raising their own kids. And at the same time, now they've got maybe their parents are getting a little older, or they are one of them is not doing so well because of the divorce and may need additional emotional and financial support. And that can have an impact on their family. And especially if one of the parents uh, is so hurt that they refuse to attend any of the family celebrations like births or weddings or graduations or grandchildren's uh, birthdays, they won't go if the other one's going to be there. And that can cause problems 
for that marriage because the other spouse of the adult child may not like their own kids having to go through that and just start withdrawing from the couple as, as uh, grandparents. And then the, the oldest group, um, who may be over 50, their parents are 70, 80, maybe, maybe older. We've had people, uh, one attorney told us that somebody came into their office to get a divorce. I, I forget whether it was 83 or 93, but it was, it was getting up there. And so all of a sudden they have to take care of an infirm parent maybe, and they got their um, own family and themselves to try and take care of. And then there's so much of a drain going on. Maybe one of the parents is infirm and gonna, and now the other parent was a caregiver for that one. And now they're not going to be anymore and they have to shoulder that burden. And then for all of the groups, there's how many Thanksgivings do we have to have now? And how do I explain to my grandchildren how my grandma and grandpa don't love each other anymore? And they start to wonder about themselves. If they're younger, they, they think, well, you know, am I going to end up like dad or am I going to be like mom? The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And they start questioning their own ability to have a, a, and hold a good relationship. And because they're told by our culture, get over it, um, they feel again, like I said, they feel like something's wrong with them. And this is not just an underserved population, but really it's an unserved population. So that, that answers some of your question, I think. That's a wonderful answer. Uh, very, very good information there, especially I love what you said um, about the adult kids, because I think it's just a great misconception thinking that they will just be fine. You know, I think I would have thought that too, right? You think the little ones are the ones you have to worry about, but once they reach a certain age, that they'll be just fine. And so when you started to bring up all of those points, they really hit home. They were things that I had not thought about, um, ways that the kids would be affected that I had not thought about. And so uh, that was really, really interesting. And I want to know, I you, you kind of talked about um, how they're affected as far as trauma is concerned and the difficulty of them needing to arrange all of these things. But what are some of the other effects? How are some other adult children affected by their parents' late divorce? Are there psychological issues that come up? Or tell me about some of the things that you've seen. Mm -hmm. uh, what we've seen in our clinical practice, as well as uh, what the little bit of research that exists has found, you know, uh, being in relationships is at the core of being human. And what we know is that we define ourselves, our, our identity, relative to the relationships we have at work, our family members, school, peers, all of the relationships. And so when the family breaks apart, the couple breaks apart, uh, maybe it's been a family where they were prominent in the community. Uh, they, you know, everyone thought this was the perfect marriage, the perfect family. You know, they were in community service, whatever it might be. And when that starts to break apart, adult children start to question their identity. Like, well, was my whole life uh, smoke and mirrors? Would it, was it all fake? Um, and so they do look at who am I now? If I'm not defined by this family, now I'm now I'm defined by a family that's breaking apart, which is why it's so important for parents to focus on family-focused pro divorce processes that work on trying to help the family members stay together and not lose these relationships they've developed over 10, 20, 30 years. And it's important for blended families too. Let's say, you know, it's a second marriage for both parents. You know, they have their own 
children may be biological children from the first marriage, may be biological children from this new blended family. They've they've blended together, hopefully, and are, are a new family. And then for the older children who are may, might be adults by now, like your children are, Melissa, it's a second set of losses. Mm-hmm. You know, the first marriage dissolved, and now their parents' second marriage is dissolving. And so that's a lot of loss for kid, young people to be going through, or middle-aged people even. And how do you manage all of these extended family relationships? How are you going to manage the holidays? How are you going to manage all the celebrations, you know, uh, birthdays, graduations, weddings, you know, memorial services, all of those things that are family-focused, um, family-focused situations. So um, that's a big effect on adult children. Also, another effect on them that doesn't happen so much with minor children is that the adult children report, let's say they're in, you know, college, as Bruce mentioned, they have trouble focusing on, you know, their studies. Maybe they have to drop out because of the finances that Bruce mentioned. Their parents can't support them anymore. The middle-aged adult children report having difficulty focusing at work. Maybe they start having relationship problems in their own marriage or or relationships where they're not married. Uh, they're in a sandwich generation, we call it. They've got older parents that they're worrying about who may be leaning on them too much as like a counselor, using them as a peer because they are adults after all. Um, but we remind people to keep focused on the parent-child relationship is forever Yes, your adult children are adults now, but they shouldn't be your therapist, your best friend, your dating buddy. Those are things that sometimes happens with minor children. Uh, But in general, our society has evolved to try to protect the minor children much more than we know how to protect the adult children. And because, as Bruce said, the courts have no jurisdiction over the adult children, what parent doesn't want to think that their adult children are okay? But they're, what they're feeling and experiencing is very real. And the research shows about half of adult children are very negatively affected by their parents' gray divorce. And, but yet they feel invisible or they're told that they should just get on with it because they're adults now. And that, that's not so often told to minor children. Wow. That is why it's so important that you are doing this work and that you have this book. And I hope that people are listening today. You know, there's some people that that this might be really helpful that could be either going through their own great divorce right now, or they could be even an adult child of, and it's happening to them with their parents. And so Mm -hmm. this hopefully is going to hit home for a lot of people. Um, You did mention a few things to make things easier on the kids. And the one thing I really like that you said is not to lean on your adult child as a counselor, as a best friend, Mm -hmm. but what else can parents do to make the transition easier on their adult children? Well, Carol touched on a little bit when, and she talked about understanding. And if the parents can be prepared that it's very likely that their children as adults are going to be shocked or or at least disturbed by what's going on. And even if the parents have been arguing a lot and the kids may have thought growing up that maybe their parents should divorce, it's like a lot of things in life. Imagining how it's going to be isn't the same as living through it. And so if the parents can just do some deep listening, which would be 
just hearing what they're saying and not preparing their own rebuttal when the children say why they don't like something or asking why something's happening. Just listen and empathize and understand is really important for healing. And there's a lot of research that's gone on to prove that it, it really is valuable for people to feel heard, especially when they're having a difficult time. One of the big things the parents can also do is to do their best to prevent their children from being sucked into choosing heroes and villains. Um, and so they can be proactive with their own siblings who are the aunts and uncles and maybe grandparents of the of their adult children and explain to them that you don't want your, your kids to be caught up in a family civil war. So you don't want them to be inviting their children to join in a bash the other parent conversation because it's harmful for them and it's hurtful. And so those sorts of things uh, go a long way to helping families prevent the worst aspects of divorce that can make healing really difficult later on. Also, if the parent is not able to get over their own anguish, their own hurt, and refuses to go to events, if the other person's going to be there, or if they show up, it's all about them instead of the person who's being celebrated, these family celebrations turn into family traumas. Mm -hmm. uh, another common mistake is to bring in a new person into the family too aggressively and too soon, because a lot of times you know, most people aren't ready for that. They're not used to seeing their parents dating either. And it can be disturbing or harmful to them, hurtful anyways, for them to be observing that. And they, as Carol had mentioned, it's really important for them to respect the parent-child boundary, even though they're adults. Because uh, if, you, if you think how your own parents are, they're still your parents to you. You know, you're still their child. And there's some things that you don't really want to know and observe about them, even though intellectually you might be aware of it. Uh, Carol, what would you like to add to that? I think you covered a lot of that. The the uh, one other thing that we encourage parents to do is, um, if they don't write it down, to talk about what is their divorce story, what is the legacy they want to leave for their children at this period of time in their lives. Do they want to remember that the divorce felt like a battleground, or do they want to remember that their parents did everything they knew, knew how to do to tell the other family members, friends, community members, that they didn't expect them to draw battle lines, that this is uh, a family-focused process that affects the whole family. They want the adult children to be able to preserve the relationships that they've developed over all the years. No one should have to lose relationships with grandparents, cousins, aunts, uncles, community members, even some religious organizations uh, tell parents who are divorcing that they're no longer wanted in their congregation. So to help the everybody that's in the network that the family is involved in, to educate them that you're going through a process where you want to be as peaceful and respectful and dignified as possible and allow your adult children to keep the relationships that they've developed over all the years. Carol, while you were talking, I was reminded that uh, one of the things we've come to, to believe, well, we believe it because it, it's really true, is that 
after a couple decides to divorce or someone in the couple decides to divorce, and, and by the way, we're not advocating divorce. When we work with couples who want to save their relationship, we prefer that we can do that, help them do that. Uh, but when, and we keep a firewall between both sides of our practice. We don't turn our um, relationship, marital counseling uh, clients into divorce clients. Uh, they come to us as one or the other. But once someone has decided that they want a divorce, the next most important decision that they're going to make is which process do they want to choose? If Carol, uh, if what Carol described earlier is uh, litigation, combat, divorce, it's like war. That's a real rough thing for a family to go through. And how do you heal after that? And there are other alternatives that people aren't, um, most people aren't aware of, a non-adversarial process such as mediation or collaborative divorce. And, and those are practices that we're involved in most. And they're all designed to improve communication and to um, minimize the harshness and to generally support them in sparing themselves and the rest of their family the worst aspects of divorce. And when we were writing this book, the way we laid it out, we, we needed to define the problem because most people don't think of it as even existing, let alone what the details are. But at the same time, we didn't want it to just be a litany of problems and, and harm done. So we mixed in every chapter tips and strategies that people can use to avoid the worst mistakes. And then we have an entire chapter on hope and healing to help people with that healing afterwards. But the healing is much easier when the um, conflict has been lowered than if it gets amplified in a, a real, you know, heavy duty adversarial divorce. Yeah. And I couldn't agree with you both more that of course, we want to save marriages when we can. I know sometimes that we're not able to. So if somebody listening today finds that they are going through this process, what are some tips that you guys can give them to move forward without fear? Because I know some of the things you guys brought up so many great points, but some, some of it can sound a little scary, right? We're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think about all of these other things that can affect my kids. So how, how can they remove the fear and do what they need to do here? So it's normal for humans to have fear when we don't feel in control. And I'm talking about healthy control here. Uh, even if it's a second marriage, you know, in a blended family where they're going through divorce again, most, no two divorces are usually alike. So fear, it, one, one thing that helps manage fear is knowing that it's a natural reaction for when we don't feel in control. And part of getting control is, is getting educated about all the different options there are. And the tips, as Bruce was talking about, knowing that there are solutions that work that can really help. Uh, it's a lot for parents to try to manage all this when they're going through their own divorce, but to know that they're not alone. And there are even support groups, you know, their Facebook uh, support groups these days where, or, or, you know, they can join a support group at their church or many hospitals or a lot of therapy practices, agencies have support groups. And, and getting professional help is also helpful in managing the fear because professionals who work in this field have gone through this many, many times with a lot of people and can reassure 
the clients, that the parents, that they are going to get through this, you know, with and, and try to minimize the pain uh, and loss. But also knowing about grieving, because everyone's grieving going through divorce. Um, it's never a neutral event for anyone, including the adult children and the parents. And so knowing that other people have gone through this and come out the other side, the proverbial, you see the light at the end of the tunnel and it's not a train <laughs> coming. Uh, and so knowing that you can rely on other professionals, you know, family law attorneys, uh, financial specialists, mental health specialists who can help people learn tools to manage the fear. Mindfulness is a great practice to help people learn how to manage fear. There are a lot of free apps out there, just mindfulness, um, that are really excellent um, that we recommend to people to use too. Carol, I love what you said there. Fear is a natural reaction when we don't feel in control. And that is so, so true. So I would love for people to just remember that the next time you feel anxious or fearful about something, um, it's just because you don't feel in control. And I love that, Carol. Thank you. Right. Um, I'd love uh -huh. to talk about your book now. Home Will Never Be the Same Again, A Guide for Adult Children of Gray Divorce. So tell us what is in that book. Uh, I'll go ahead and start. Okay. So um, we have uh, 14 chapters. I'm not going to name every one of them, but as Bruce said, we talk about the um, what the problem is, which we've been talking about here, just to educate people uh, that it is a, a large number of a population. The I don't think Bruce mentioned this. Every year in the U.S., about 300,000 couples divorce. Um, and on average, they have about uh, one or two children. So let's say 600,000 individuals divorcing, about 6,000 on average adult children. That's 1.2 million U.S. citizens affected by divorce every year, according to the census. And every year that's happening. And so you can just figure it takes a good three to five years for most people to work through the losses that come with divorce. So that's a big amount of people, a large amount of people over the years uh, that are being affected by divorce. So we educate people about that, about uh, relationships that we were talking about earlier, how it affects the sibling, grandparent, extended family, community member relationships. And um, we have a chapter on grieving. A lot of people don't think about grieving coming with divorce, but there's so many losses that come with divorce. It's important to know that the parents and the children, adult children, are grieving these losses. And how can you mitigate those losses? Like with holidays, if you're friendly and can still meet at the holidays and special celebrations, it's not as much as of a loss as if there's this dividing line between mom and dad. So we educate people about that. We have two chapters on communication because communication is at the core of people knowing how to listen and not be judgmental and being supportive of each other, uh, how to set boundaries. As we were talking about earlier with the adult children, uh, with the parents leaning on them too much, for example, or in inappropriate ways to help the adult children know, learn how to set boundaries that are appropriate and healthy. Um, we also have a chapter for the parents 
Uh, what can you do to make this a better transition for your adult children and preserve the relationships that are so important to everyone? As I said earlier, being human is all about being in relationships. Um, and then uh, if there's an estate to pass on, uh, one of our colleagues wrote a, a contribution to the, parent, the chapter for parents about what you need to know about estate planning and, you know, to ensure that your children will inherit, you know, whatever you want them to inherit and that it's taken care of, that you're not expecting the adult children to do it, you know, after you pass. That's important as well. And then Bruce mentioned the chapter on hope and healing, really specific, additional specific things that uh, the adult children can do. Stages of adult development, which most people don't even think of. We mentioned that earlier, that different ages that the adult children are when the parents are divorcing and how it affects those those children, adult children in different ways because they're different ages. So that that's a little thumbnail of um, all many of the topics that are covered in the book. Well, it sounds extremely valuable and it sounds like you thought of everything. And so I hope that people do go out and get this book, especially if you find yourself in this position or if you know somebody who is. Uh, before we go, I just wanted to give each of you a moment to just maybe um, share a word of encouragement for my listeners, or even if I forgot something that you think is important that you wanted to add and also include the best way to reach you. Okay. Um, I think that most people going through divorce, even as Carol, Carol mentioned, or even if they've been through a divorce before, each divorce is different. And while the statistics may say that sooner or later, most people divorce, it, that's not true for the people going through it. And people think that divorce is a legal financial experience, which it is, but most people would agree that it's primarily an emotional experience and probably none of you anticipated it and didn't rehearse for it. So when you don't know what to do, choose kindness because at least it won't get you into trouble and it won't hurt your family anymore. And I think it's really important to remember that. We emphasize that throughout the book. And the best place to get a hold of me would be at my therapy site on Psychology Today, which is Bruce R. Fredenberg, LMFT, on Psychology Today. And my divorce uh, site is orangecountydivorcecoach.com. And I can also be found uh, in one of the places Carol can be found, which is on the website of Collaborative Divorce Solutions, Orange County. CDSOC, and our profiles are up on there as well as the International Academy of, Inter of uh, Collaborative Professionals. Carol? I wanted to comment on the kindness uh, point that Bruce made. A kindness may sound like kind of a wishy-washy concept, but amazingly, there's a lot of research in our field and in the medical field as well, indicating how helpful being kind is. It can lower heart problems. It can boost our immune system, boost our energy, help our focus improve. The list goes on and we have some references to that as well in the book. Um, and I can be reached at um, my website for divorce is called divorcepeacemaking.com. My therapy website is drcarolhughes.com. And Bruce already mentioned uh, the other uh, area and collaborativepractice.com. You have listeners all over the U.S. and outside the U.S. Collaborativepractice.com indicates uh, 
professionals who've been trained in family-focused, out-of-court divorce processes, processes that are respectful and dignified, and you can find attorneys, financial specialists, and mental health specialists on that website wherever you are in the world. <clears throat> there are about 35,000 collaboratively trained professionals in the world. So if you're thinking of divorce, at least explore peaceful family-focused divorce options. And we're happy to be two of the 35,000. Well, that's wonderful. That's And I have spoken about collaborative divorce before, and I think that it's great. And I agree with you both that kindness goes a long way. And so you guys are definitely after what I'm after. And so listeners, I know that was a lot to write down, so don't worry. I'll be sure to add all of Bruce and Carol's links to the show notes for you. I hope today's show was valuable. I know that you all work hard on your relationships, and that's why you listen to podcasts like this one. This show is really a reminder that we need to nurture relationships. You know, having a blended family is very chaotic and we sometimes are so immersed in it that we forget the importance of nurturing the partnership. So I encourage you to do the work now to make your love last. But if you do find yourself in the unfortunate position of divorcing later, please grab Bruce and Carol's book, Home Will Never Be the Same Again, A Guide for Adult Children of Gray Divorce. Or you can reach out to either one of them to follow their work and get more assistance. Bruce and Carol, it has been a pleasure chatting with both of you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And thank you for bringing a nice, fresh topic to my audience. <laughs> We're happy to do so. And thank you again for having us and helping us educate your audience about this issue. Yes, and you made it fun and easy, too, which is always nice. Thank you. You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Remember, to create the peaceful home you desire, all you need is love.